if you actually like take a step back, right, we are, we were literally in a cage because <laughs> uh, we were like in basement one. You have to take an escalator down, but there were like right, right, right. Uh, sort of like um, those barriers around it, mm-hmm. so people wouldn't fall down onto the basement floor. Yeah, and since it was open air, yeah, so there were people that were taking photos outside yeah. of the event into the event, and we yeah, weren't yeah, yeah. really zoo animals. <laughs> Welcome everyone to the Fox and Burger Podcast, where we bring you closer to the Asian furry fandom one episode at a time. I'm Michael the Matcha Fox. And I'm Burger. And today, we're returning to Singapore to talk with Ska and Decro, two of the main convention organizers for LAFC and LIFCO, respectively. In this episode, we talked about the history of LIFC, the differences between running a physical and online convention, their respective challenges, and finally, we also discuss the overall culture and everyday life of Singapore and how that affects and influences its local furry community. We're excited to go back to Singapore, so sit back, enjoy the smell of Kaya Toast and Kopi C, and enjoy. Okay, so Scott and Decro, thank you for being our guests on the pod. Nice to have you here. Yeah, it's great to be here. Yeah, thanks for having us. Yeah, I remember like LAFC Online was like a few weeks ago, and part of the intention of this episode was to uh, interview you guys about LAFC Online, but then also the physical LAFC. So um, really appreciate you guys uh, coming here. Again, yeah, thank you for having us. <laughs> yeah, I'm glad we can show more about our local community here. And we're glad that you were free to uh, hang out with us for a bit and tell us more about this fabulous event. Great, let's get straight into it. So, as always, uh, we'd like to start off our in- interview uh, with a very simple question, which is describe your persona and how you joined the furry fandom. And by the way, let's stick to the order with like Ska first and then Decro, so that way we'll we'll just make things flow. So, Ska, whenever you're ready. Sure. Well, um, I am a Dragon Husky hybrid. I joined the furry fandom mm-hmm. in about 2011. I kind of looked up the local Singapore community back then in like 2012 because I was kind of like bored one day and just googled my country on Wikifur to right. sort of like see what they knew. Then turns out, well, there's an active local group and I started from there. Uh, before that, it was a bit on like, you know, Aragorn, Sephira, Dragon stories that drew me to this uh, furry community at the start. Yeah. All right. Good taste in books. Um, I'm Decro, um, Octave Wolf. So I think I joined relatively recently compared to like most people. Um, so I guess like it's kind of like if I've always been a furry kind of thing based on my interests, but I just never knew like the fandom is a thing, like you know. So I I guess early on would be like Pokemon for me, and mm-hmm. like some like cartoons here and there with werewolves and stuff. Uh, I think it's only like. 2018, early 2018 that I joined the Singapore community. So since then, I've been getting really involved with like meeting people, organizing events, stuff like mm-hmm. that. Yeah. You mentioned organized events. Um, that's something that I wanted to ask as a follow-up question, actually. So in regards to LAFC, could you guys explain your guys' role? Just in, in, in briefly explain what do you guys do for LAFC? Oh, uh, well, um, I chair and organize the LAFC for the mm-hmm. physical event. And I sort of like oversee and make sure that uh, what we like to bring to the community is actually uh, up to our expectation of sorts. Yeah. I think Scar brought me in into the team like halfway through the planning of the 2019 LIFC. Um, right. But I did help out a fair bunch, like, especially on like the organizing, logistics stuff. And I think he, he was just like, okay, yeah. Um, Co-chair maybe, question mark. And so like, just give it a go. So if I'm understanding correctly, like Decro right now, like you currently serve as the co-chair or? Yeah. Gotcha, gotcha. I think that's a great segue into our next section then. Yeah. Um, <laughs> in section two, uh, we talk about our guests and what they do. And uh, for this particular episode, that's LFC and, and LFC Online. I want to go back to the physical con LFC um, 2019. You know, without getting like too deep into the uh, nitty gritty uh, can you please tell us kind of like the history of LAFC and like how did it like start? 
Sure. Um, I'll begin with uh, more like the original founders on paper and versus out of paper because I would say like it's really quite a large group. On paper, it's myself, Singha and Smile. A lot of respect for these two as when I joined the community, they were the one leading local events. Then mm -hmm. I sort of like learned from them and took over, but still valued their experiencing other con overseas and how it should be done like the right way. Right way, just meaning having the right state of mind, the right reasonings and making sure that it's always for its attendees. I would say that otherwise I can't really give enough thanks to Chi, like Chilapos, for listening mm -hmm. to me all the time. Usually he's the yeah. one that I bounce ideas to as he was there for most of my, I would say, hardship, stress, happiness of its completion that it's finally done as well. I would also like to give shout out to the original team themselves that were a close confidence of mine. They didn't like, you know, leak, they didn't share much, mm -hmm. as well as committing to be on board, even though they're wasn't clear information. It's kind of brave of them to do so. And all this played a part in bringing LFC 2019 to life. I would also say that we had the guest of honor confirmed before deciding on that spot at that time to run it ah, in June. Yeah, so we sort of like knew they were coming. Then we ran the convention around that time. And, and can you tell us for the audience, like who were the guests of honors for 2019? The guests of honors for 2019 were Fox and Pepper, like Fox Amor and Pepper Coyote. Mm -hmm. So they right. did a little concert for us. But generally it was like chaotic, but with the experience <laughs> of like, you know, my uh, the past local events that I run, uh, we did run like this thing called Furlay, which is like furry chalets before LFC yeah, was yeah. ever run. Mm -hmm. I would say that Furlay was the precursor to all of this, like gathering people, knowing who can work well with one another. Yeah, but I would say generally I took the much of the initiative in bringing the first back to events and making them give inputs and stuff. I was pretty open to ideas as well. Yeah. Right, right. All right, yeah. I have such good memories of, you know, LEC online. Oh, sorry, LEC 2019 because like maybe it's because I'm affected by COVID because this is like the pre-COVID days, right? And um, that was my first time in Singapore. I think I already told you that, but yeah, that's my first time in Singapore. When was it again? Was it in May of 2019? June, 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 2019. June, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah. yeah. I guess I'll just say that I've been to Singapore as well, but not for LIFC. I actually mm -hmm. went to Singapore f uh, on holiday. When, when was that? After, like, that was like in, like in August. Yeah, 2019. Yeah. So I was a little bit too late to join, unfortunately. But thankfully, I was there for uh, the online conventions. Since we're still talking about the physical convention and all that, can you two tell us what some of the difficulties were for hosting a FurCon in a place like Singapore? Uh, were there any troubles with renting a hotel, finding a good location, uh, any other things that I might not have mentioned already? Um, we started late. Other regional cons have, like, gotten set up already like running for multiple years but due to like you know self-imposed standards as well as like you know what we should know what we should do and as well as since many of us have gone to cons as well we know what we like from them we took what we like at times we know what we would like to bring to the local community especially for those who cannot travel i would say that in 2019 uh running a one-room con was simply out of the question because, you know, mm -hmm. we should bring something that the community have never experienced for those that cannot travel. Um, also, yeah, I feel that we will not be able to match prices due to, uh, like, you know, Singapore being a first world country, our currency strength is really high. It's just an yeah, unfortunate yeah. hurdle. Yeah, higher cost of living. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Adding on to what Scar said, I think, like, it's kind of like a vicious cycle of sorts. You have like, if you have high cost of living, the ticket prices would be, have to be higher. Um, Less local first can come, less regional first can come. Then yeah. from there, we do to kind of offset, because the hotel cost is still going to be the same. You kind of need to raise the attendee prices even higher, right? And to make up for that. And it's kind of a vicious cycle. So it is, Uh, I think we did eat some losses for the first con. Yeah. As someone who has been to both Western and Eastern conventions, uh, I think if you're trying to run an event like that, I wouldn't uh, beat yourself too much up about like the cost of it just because having an actual formal event 
for people to come to, especially if it's at a hotel or a convention center. It's more of a luxury rather than a necessity. It's like you don't have to go, but it is nice to have these things and it's nice to go. And if you actually have a successful event, a successful convention, that means that you kind of have a flourishing community already. So it's, it's kind of a sign that you have a good community that is supportive of each other and is active enough to actually have a yearly event, at least one. I think what you're doing is actually pretty good, even if it's there are any difficulties that come along the way. Just because this is kind of a big responsibility to put together an event, like, in general, you know? Thanks for the encouragement. <laughs> yeah, thanks. Yeah, that's that's what we're here to do. <laughs> I, I think Ska, like, kind of touched upon this topic already, but it's the idea of, like, bringing something new to Singapore, to the Singaporean furry community, in a, you know, a con, like a proper con. And that's exactly our next question. I, I mean, like, this is a question that we often ask on the podcast, which is, you know, like, do you feel like you were trying to model LIFC off of a Western convention? Or were you trying to make it something unique? Or, or what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, um, on this, we did try to bring in like a Western con experience. Like mainly based off of like Australia or, um, or the US or... More on like the US. Do? Yeah, more on the US. Oh, uh, okay. Like AC... Yes. Uh, we brought like um examples of dead dog dancers in. We tried to close it late right, as right, well. Right. Um, <laughs> but we also deviated because like um, I would say that we do not have a first suit parade due to the crazy amount of permits we actually need as well as like the weather in Singapore oh, yeah. is like hot and humid. Wow. Is the government like receptive to that kind of stuff? Like do they respond to you right away if you want to like get a permit to just walk through the city or or, or are they just like really really bureaucratic and slow? More on a lot of red tape uh, such all as right, right. um you know, let's say we are just going through the station, we'll need that a permit for that. Uh, let's say we mm. are uh, gathering in a group of 10 and above, we'll need a permit for that. But mm. we have and will evolve in our own way, such as like we did have this thing called the zoo, where it's just a place for, you know, furries, animals gathering together. I would say one of uh, the unique points of LFC is that we do have like a board game section, which was a big hit within our local community. Like in the past, we, mm. uh, we would host meets to go to those rental board game places, but we do have uh, local fur juniors that actually bought a lot of all these board games and you know have like this rental system it's free like people just come to con they want to borrow these board games they have fun we provide tables we provide the space oh, for we, them to yeah you're talking about like the the place in front of the coffee machine right in, yeah like, the, yeah and then like and then people are playing mtg yeah, i saw a lot of people playing like board games and stuff yeah yeah i'm actually kind of a secret board game fan myself you know card games board games uh, deck building, all that stuff. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm fascinated by it. I just never have enough time to actually pursue it as a hobby just because I'm not mm -hmm. in a place where I could just easily go to, like, a board game or card shop, you know, because I got work, I got, like, projects, I got the podcast to help with. Uh, I just got all this other stuff. But, yeah, I think it's great to have something like that because that reminds me of Fur Point over here in Taiwan, actually. That had a nice little section for board games and card games, especially since Michael brought the the giant really Uno. big yes, yeah, the, the giant, giant Uno, Uno cards, cards from the states because uh, it, the shipping was too high. Mm -hmm. But one of my favorite board games is called King of Tokyo. It's a bit yes, uh, I where, love that game. You know, you're a giant monster, and yeah, it really ticks a lot of boxes for some of the furries here. Oh, can, yeah. can you describe, you know, like, we'll, we'll flash up pictures when necessary, like if I can find pictures or if you guys can find pictures of the venue, but like, can you describe the venue like a little bit more for us? Because like, I think it was next to an MRT station. And then like, there's like a mall attached to like the underground. But if I'm not mistaken, LFC was like, it looked like it was part outdoor, part indoor. Yeah, and if you actually like take a step back, right, we are, we were literally in a cage because <laughs> uh, we were like in basement one, you have to take an escalator down, but there were like right. uh, sort of like um, those barriers around it mm -hmm. so people wouldn't fall down onto the basement floor. Yep. And since it was open air, yeah, so there were people that were taking photos outside yeah. of event into the event and we yeah, weren't yeah, yeah. really zoo animals. <laughs> yeah, I, I know what you mean, like, like near the water fountain... 
um and yeah people, like like and then people like all the tourists and like the past well maybe not really tourists but passerbys were just like looking down into you guys i remember i saw like like some families taking pictures yeah that was pretty cool it was hot though it was it was really hot like don't get me wrong but at least like you know you can go back inside to one of the rooms to like cool down and stuff yeah was there anything else that you want to share about like the venue the location that like stood out uh the venue had a lot of fragile stuff like everywhere and we oh. were worried like first of those like bump into there and like things oh, yeah. like just drop from the site mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. oh like mm -hmm. the vase right because like inside the rooms yeah. there's like paintings and vases and stuff like that like artwork yeah oh yeah i remember from the games we had first two games at that point in time oh, so yeah. what we yeah. i was just like hey scott can we go and find people can we tell them to stand like between the first suitors throwing like that giant plush ball and the vase so like if they're kind of like goalkeepers let's not break anything <laughs> <laughs> Someone yeah. told me about that. I think it was Kaioki. Like, like I know there's like footage. Might have been Pepper Coyote's vlog where like he took the video of like people passing the ball, like playing hot potato or whatever. Yeah, that might have been a different thing. But like, yeah, it didn't. I remember Kaioki kept on saying, "Oh no, oh no!" Like we have like a lot of expensive stuff. We have like vases and and valuables. We don't want people to you know to smash that or to bump into that. Yeah, but I don't think anything bad happened though, right? Like for the vases and stuff. No, I think everything was fine. I'm yeah, glad nothing happened. Yeah. Do you guys have a certain like favorite moment at the con that that you'd like to tell us about? Like a favorite moment, a favorite story from LFC 2019? Maybe Decker can start on this one. Uh, mine is like the end of the event. It's not so bad. I think like, okay, mm -hmm. so for me, it's like I love organizing stuff for the community. So like when you, when you wrap up, like everything and then people say like oh yo like you know that that was fun or like the panel you first was great or like you know i think that's good because people don't really give compliments that easily kind of thing so if if they went out of their way to tell you like mm -hmm. they they enjoyed it i think it shows that you know like what you've done has provided quite a positive impact on them yeah so i, I think that's great like it's quite a fulfilling experience I would say one of my uh, favorite moments for RFC is uh, the Guest of Honor concert as well as its talk show. I finally get to host mm. it as chair after watching right. uh, other cons for other years, like, you know, overseas con and their chair doing the GOH interview and stuff like that. I finally get to do it. Hooray. It's quite it, fun. It was like you and then like, who else? It was like you, wasn't it? Like you, Kaioki, Kaioki uh, yeah. you had um, Pepper and more. Pepper and Fox. Pepper and Fox, Pepper and Fox. on mm -hmm. the stage. And then like we're all, it's like the main room, right? Like the main activity room, the big one. And then um, like what, what questions did you ask those guys? Like, like can you tell us more about that? Oh, well, it's kind of a bit of a blur, but I think I did <laughs> ask about uh, their real life, uh, mm -hmm. a bit of like what work do they do? Things like that. Um, house life in general. How did they like Singapore maybe? Yeah, yeah, yeah like survival what food do they like have they done anything mm -hmm. interesting since they've reached there everything like that yeah i would say we uh, all in all we both agree that like you know hosting and running rfc was very fulfilling and that everyone had a great time and the sacrifice was worth it in the end yeah i think that's great for anyone to hear whether you're attending or uh, staffing for one of these events uh, but now let's transition from the physical convention to the online convention so tell us about your first thoughts or your first structuring like planning and phasing for the online convention back in last year in 2012 what was what was on your minds I uh, would say at this point in time we have grown a lot through the additions of like Decker as a co-chair with uh, LeafCo um, FCO as a proving ground for testing ways to run like meetings, uh, make it more productive and all, and how to run things in the future, I think has been a success so mm. far. Yeah, I think like the very first idea, I think we came up with the idea in one of our meetings for the physical, we kept having to push back the physical con again and again and again. And right. I think it was 2021, we were like, we are just like, okay, is it even going to happen this year? Uh, I think Scar suggested that. And so I, I think it's, it's, it's good that he did because I think mm. I think my personal vision for LSC is that it's not just a convention that happens every year, 
but it's like a it's more of like a community that happens all the time so i think having an online event helps us to stay relevant to the community yeah i think that's pretty well put and Decro, you mentioned in the last question that your favorite moment at the end was the end of the convention after everything had been a success and everyone was giving back their their feedback and all that. So when it comes to the online convention, do you to feel like you succeeded in bringing the uh, convention experience to an online audience through like a, a combination of like a Discord server and a live stream on Twitch? Um, I would say, yeah, with the Discord being able to make unlimited rooms and people just going in and out of rooms, mm -hmm. like how you do when you are at a furcon. Yeah, all in all, some people left with PCD, so that's a yes. <laughs> yeah, that's a good I sign. I had a little yeah. bit myself. I had a little bit. I, I, I'm a little bit biased because I liked the con and I was a panelist, but I had a little bit of PCD, yeah. And then I also was surprised by the internationality i don't think that's a word but the internationality of the con because i think i met some australians i met like a british guy who i'm in contact now like like i met them and we're just chatting back and forth so um it gave me that feeling that wow i'm like sure it's it's a singaporean based con but i felt like there was like that sense of internationality which i always miss about conventions i think the funny thing for me is that i wasn't aiming for a physical con experience because i think if we did it would feel like, it would just put the focus on it not actually being real. So, I think yeah. where, where the my vision for it came from was... I used to host a gaming nights in Singapore First chat. Um, every It's like every few months there would be... Like, people get on host games. So, it's kind of like the games. But then, I guess, like, we brought in, like, the dealers there and panels. Um, but we also brought in, like, way more stuff that you only get online. So this is where like the online platform does come into play, like the busking channels, the art streams. And I think it's cool because people got to engage the con in some way rather than just like sitting down experiencing it. Like, you know, someone might want to do like do an open mic system and that's what that's what the busking channel is for. You have the hangout rooms which are like really active chatting. Then the art streams are more chill chat. So like some people found the hangout chats very fun other people found it too noisy and then they hung out in the art streams instead yeah so i think it's cool that there's something for everyone there yeah that kind of choice is also kind of present in physical conventions as well it's like you have something for everyone so i think bringing that idea to the online version of the convention was a great idea true true i i think the decision to go online i feel like it's the right decision we saw several conventions go online in 2020, um, and then also they continued that in 2021. That being said, though, I, I think Decker's response, I think I agree. I think like you also don't want to create an event that is trying to mimic something, and then you, you have like this high expectation or you have this idea of what it should be, and if it doesn't match that idea, then you feel disappointed. I feel like Decker's approach, like what Decker said, I feel like that makes LAC special, and it's important to state that. Like, this is not just like, okay, this is LAC, then we're going to turn it virtual. If, if I'm understanding that correctly, yeah, yeah, that's a more special approach, and I feel like it's also maybe in a sense more practical. It preps the audience, it preps the attendees to know that, look, you know, this is something a little bit different. This is not just, you know, taking one thing and making it virtual. You really want to make like a new experience. And, and, and I like that. I like that. Yeah, I think it's definitely quite an experience. We are actually planning to have it on. So once the physical con comes back, we do want to keep the online mm -hmm. event running as well. Are, are you still planning, like, when the physical con comes back, are you still doing, like, two online cons per year, or will you change it to one, or...? We'll just change it to one. <laughs> yeah, team yeah. Is not... yeah. yeah, yeah, I was gonna... <laughs> that makes yeah, a yeah. lot more sense, yeah. Yeah, I think yeah. it makes a lot more sense, yeah. Do you, do you have, like, a favorite moment of, like... I'll use Scott's where Leafco, Leafco 20... Uh, was it 2021 or Leafco 2022? Do, you, do either of you have, like, a favorite moment, or...? Wow, um... I like... Mukbang still. I enjoy that people <laughs> manage to um, I, you in front with of me. one another. I didn't see you in yeah. the in the mukbang in the one that I was in this year. I didn't see you. Were you in a different chat? I think you were in a different chat. I was hopping around, like you know, oh, right, uh, right, right. 
as one of the organize one of like you know the ops people we yeah. sort of like have to go around making sure people are okay making sure there's not much big disruptions things like that mm. i was working whereas decro is the one mingling at that point in time yes. yeah yeah that's great yeah i think for me it's like i enjoyed giving panels so i had I think three panels at the last LFC online. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, mm. I think it's definitely different from like a physical panel. Um, because I give one at LFC, like the physical one as well. Um, people are not going to be as interactive in physical ones. People don't want to be interrupting, you know, the flow of a presentation. But like once it's online, everyone's just typing. So it's kind of like Twitch stream rather than a presentation. I like that. I like that. I th- and I think yeah. I think it's more interactive and more engaging. Yeah, oh my goodness, it's mm-hmm. so good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's definitely a different experience. Burger, do you have a, a favorite moment? How about we ask you the question? Yeah, from either one, I would, I mean, I don't want to do this to butter you up, but the drunken vulpine thing at, that, that you help host, I think that's probably one of the highlights of the, of the why, event. Well, why is that your favorite panel? It's, it's just a nice little thing. Uh, send off after the closing mm-hmm. ceremonies it's nice to just kind of hang out and and have some drinks and tell stories maybe do a little trivia <laughs> i think it's a nice idea so I, I'm, I'm glad that you can bring that to lafco i want to thank Scott and deco for letting me do that because um i thought i was going to get shut down but i didn't <laughs> so i was like all right yeah cool um uh no you guys have worked hard for both conventions and i think both berg and i appreciate it I feel like I was the only U.S. panelist. I feel like almost everyone else was like Singaporean, maybe one Malaysian. I think I'm not, I'm not sure. I think it's mainly Singaporean. And you guys can correct me on that. But anyway, like like as one of the few like foreign panelists at that con at LFC uh, this year, 2022, uh, I was honored. It brings like something new to the table. It makes like the con overall like enriched. I feel. And uh, for people who can drink, then yeah, I mean, why not drink together and talk? I do just have one last question. Uh, on this section, going back to uh, talking about planning and organizing cons, just based off of your guys' experiences, uh, do you guys like have any um, any advice for anyone starting a uh, a fur con or like a large scale meet? Ooh, okay. I would say large scale fur meet is a little different because you're there for one reason, like one day. It's mm-hmm. doable on your own, or maybe with a friend or two to help you with like. Uh, bringing the crowd here and there because you know you have to hurt people around in this case i would say start small build up your confidence know your venue well and where you're getting at but i would say like fur cons are a bit of a little like a, a whole different beast like you need to gather like first you need to gather like a bunch of like-minded people who believe in what you're trying to do yeah you will not be able to do everything yourself and you would sort of like need to plan for multiple large-scale events happening at the same time yeah large-scale fur meets happening at the same time yeah i think my advice would be like you know it's gonna be a huge effort so do it for yourself like i mean it's like everyone thinks like organizing like events for the community is for the community and and i do agree like for, for me a huge part of it is that but then what happens next because like if you're looking for gratitude you don't want recognition that's not something people will there's not something you get like in the end it can be a very thankless job and even if you are doing something for like literally free like lfc online there's gonna be one or two people who will ask oh why didn't you why didn't you have this or like the, the activities are not great and right. and it can be very disheartening in that sense so like host an event right because there's something in it for you too. Like, you know, maybe it's fulfilling. Maybe you love interacting with people. Maybe you want to practice uh, leadership skills, right? Or put, you know, you, you're going to draw, or you're going to do something. Like, basically, have something in it for you so that you grow too. Like, yeah. Otherwise, you're going to burn out. And yeah, and how are you going to care for a community if you can't take care of yourself? All right. That concludes this section of the interview. Let's move on to our next one. Uh, This is where we talk more about culture in general, more about uh, Singaporean furs and Singaporean culture. Um, Our first question is uh, pretty standard. How would you describe Singaporean furs in general? Like, would you say that they're like outgoing, friendly, or or how, how would you guys describe them? I'd say uh, there are diversity. Like, there's a vastly unique hobbies and how all our 
our whole entire community like comes from all walks of life. Right. We are a big bunch that manages to coalesce, like people with different skills, people with different interests. I would say all in all, like, you know, it's always like the multiple cliques, multiple large groups that may not hang out throughout every meet, but the thing is that they still eventually all come together because we are a single identity. Yeah. I think to describe, I would just I would say it's close knit. Um, I know some people in the community think it like they see the Singapore first as very fragmented, but I think in any community there are always gonna be people who don't want to get involved, and I yeah, think that's yeah. okay. Mm-hmm. So for those who do want to get involved, it's very easy for us to connect. I mean, like we have a local Telegram group. People can very easily organize like, oh yeah, dinner tomorrow. And like people just travel less than an hour because Singapore is really small. Exactly. And, yeah. Yeah. And then you're hanging out. I think this is something that kind of lacks in I think in other countries where like oh yeah we wanna hang out means like a three hour drive down. Like the first meets that happen seems to be like you drive down for like two three hours and then you hang out for like one afternoon and then you go back. And I think it's cool that in Singapore we have we don't really have like a distance barrier yeah so it's really convenient the way you described that puts me back to when i was back in texas living in a suburb a little bit north of dallas doing an hour drive all the way down to a random park of quite a big distance like 30 miles drive just to meet some other furries in a park and see fursuits and and hang out and have lunch and all that but usually that event lasted for like four hours and usually people would hang out and have dinner afterwards at a local restaurant nearby so it was more than just an afternoon but it was still quite a journey just to get over there uh and thankfully that meetup was only once a month but yeah i definitely know what you mean and we've definitely heard from other furries that Uh, like in places like Singapore and Hong Kong to where geographically the community is more close together and easy to get together due to that fact. Now, if we were going to broaden our scope a little bit uh, and talk about Singaporeans in general, is there a defining characteristic of a Singaporean person? Like, in other words, is there is there something that you would do or behave that would immediately tell someone that you're Singaporean? Well, from my perspective, I feel like most people here are always in a rush. We speak really, <laughs> really fast compared to yeah. maybe some of our Western counterparts. And something along, like, pacing and flow of the day versus my time like in Taiwan, Australia and Japan, there are really times which I feel like I could breathe when I was vacationing overseas. But back in Singapore, it's always like, what's next? And like, how can we do it more efficient? Yeah, I would say efficiency Hmm. is the Hmm. thing for Singaporeans. Man, I I still feel like people in Taipei, they walk pretty fast and they're they're also very like time focused as well. But you didn't feel that when you're in Taipei? Maybe because you're on vacation. (laughs) Yeah, maybe because I was on vacation. It's all right, yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. It does seem like a rather metropolitan, big city kind of a mindset to be like fast paced. What's next? What's the next meeting? What's the next big thing? Uh, where do we queue to go to this thing? Yeah. It's like that kind of thing, you know? I think for me, um, the accent is very yeah, yeah. obvious. I think like Scott brought that up with mm-hmm. the pacing. Of, wait, is pacing with the, the 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 way you speak or just like the mentality? <laughs> no, pacing mentality. Thomas' uh, mentality. Yeah. Okay, well, if you're talking about accent, I think people have like a... It's very staccato. Uh, for, it's like a very choppy word. Yep. Sorry, I was using a music term. Um, mm-hmm. So it's like the American accent, for instance, like flows better. Um, like, does, does it make sense? Oh, no. Um, makes sense. Yeah, too. but like Singaporeans tend to like speak with like you can hear the beats of the of the words <laughs> i think that in singlish like the moment someone says why like that la <laughs> exactly um so usually when we go overseas like if you hear someone say speaking like that that either they're singaporean or like one of the neighboring countries i think you hit the um the nail on on the head um if, if i heard singlish I feel like I wouldn't I wouldn't forget it and I have heard Singlish before so I, I think that's a defining characteristic like when a Singaporean or or if you want to speak Malaysian English sure if either like a Malaysian Singapore leaves 
Singapore or Malaysia and then goes abroad and finds another Singapore and Malaysian, I think it's easy to spot each other. But I, you know, the funny thing is, I would say that I, I think like Ska is English right now. I feel like you're actually, are you actually suppressing it? Because I feel like Decro's English is just like thicker than yours right now. Oh, definitely. Yeah, yeah. No, I heard you speak English before, man. Like when I hang out with you, like, 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 uh, like when you talk to CP, like I remember, like we had like dinner or whatever, like after Tie Tales. Yeah, like I, I know, I know, Ska can for sure. You can for sure speak English, but I, I think you're just like suppressing it for the audience. Of course, we have to speak yeah. very concisely and clear. <laughs> You know, sometimes I feel though like a little bit worried about, let's say, like the LGBT community in Singapore because um, I feel that Singapore is more socially conservative than Taiwan when it comes to LGBT. Like I lived in countries, well, just to just U.S. and Taiwan, where, like for example, gay marriage is legal, and you know these are like hard won fights. Like it's something you strive for, right? Like this is not something that came easily for these countries. And so I'm wondering, like, like overall, like, how do you see the LGBT community in Singapore? Like, can you describe it? Like, like, what's the what's the status? You know, I would say that we do have like a local protest called Pink Dot held at um, Hongling Park, but it's only mm -hmm. for locals to attend because uh, they a few years ago they did crack down on uh, foreign investors or foreign powers trying to influence Singaporeans or like making it bigger than. It is okay. Um, with recent news from mainstream media, uh, three seven seven A, which is like a penal code, like a code of laws, is not actively enforced. But some might argue that it being present allows discrimination mm -hmm. to like low key happen. I would say our law and home affairs minister did reach out to like LGBT groups at times to sort of get the situation on the ground. Um, they have also, the government has also expressively included in the Maintenance of Religious Harmony Act, which prevents any attack on any member of like the LGBT community as, as mm -hmm. it is because okay. of his or her identity, especially like on mm -hmm. LGBT groups that it would be an offense and would not be tolerated. So I'll say that in the past few years, these are some of like the progress that's been made. And like they also mentioned like oh LGBT uh, individuals are entitled to live peacefully without being attacked or mm -hmm, threatened mm -hmm. in Singapore. Would say that all this thing all began because of some law implemented in 1938, like colonial era, yeah, yeah. to prevent male prostitution during those periods. On the lighter side of things and how like it affects uh, the free fandom in Singapore, I would say that more than half of our community, I think, at least identifies as one of the spectrum of LGBTQIA. Mm -hmm. But the law hasn't dissuaded anyone from trying to be their true selves, at least among each other. I think it's really harsh on like the community because a lot of us are like Scar mentioned, like, you know, identify as LGBTQ. Um, mm -hmm. So I think like it's very hard for us to express our love, our relationships, like in public, online. Like, you know, even like something as simple as holding hands, you're gonna get exactly. like stares and stuff. Right. And I think like Scar mentioned like the legal aspect. I think it goes beyond the legal. I think it goes into like, you know, society. So i I mean, for instance, even if it becomes legal, there are a lot of older people who would kind of look down on it. Um, even among some youths as well. And like, you know, they frown on it, they give us stares in public. And I think it, that kind of uh, behavior is really hurtful to people because, on I mean, if you look at like what straight people are doing, um, like it's okay to hold hands, it's okay to like look at a very cute girl over there and then like, oh yeah, eye candy, eye candy. But like, you know, yeah. the moment you try to do it in any form of like, like, oh no, you're gay, you know, it's, it's not a really good mentality. And I think like the, the saddest part is that a lot of us internalize that discrimination that mm -hmm. we feel we don't deserve to express that love. It's, it's a very subconscious poisoning in that sense. And I, I think it's very sad. Uh, I mean, hopefully with like changes in the future, it will improve the situation. But I think it's way more than just like a legal change that needs to yeah, be yeah. a societal change i i have a mm -hmm. i have a follow-up question this i just want to ask decro um this one specifically do you feel then that like the furry fandom in a sense is like a safe zone for for lgbt furs 
who may not be able to quote unquote like show their colors to their parents or to their relatives or or to people in the public like you mentioned the holding hands thing yeah you know like do you feel that in a sense it gives you like a way to be yourself a way to be with your partner perhaps oh i think most definitely like uh it is i wouldn't say the singapore first community is like 100 percent safe because i think mm-hmm. in every community there's always gonna be some people who have an issue with like mm-hmm. like you know discrimination and stuff but i think we are trying our best in fact i think the whole idea of like the furry community is honestly it's uh okay it's so amazing i'm gonna forgive me if i ramble on a bit but it's i think <laughs> it's really great that isn't that we can use like furry mediums to transcend like boundaries Mm -hmm. you know like some people like if they identify as like a different gender their fursonas can reflect that right if you have a partner overseas you can still commission art of your fursonas together to express like the union even though like you know this is not something that for lack of better term normies can do they can't take a selfie of themselves and then like we are together i guess you know, it, it doesn't work, but, like, when you can, like, you know, commission an artist and say, yo, like, we are together now, like, exactly. I think having that very visual reminder that you can just put on your phone wallpaper, I think that's, like, very powerful. I mean, for instance, me and my um, partner, we, we have, like, a lot of art together, and, it, I mean, it feels good. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I, I think yeah. it's really nice. Yeah, like, we, we do provide a safe space to express, and I think in turn it helps um, other local first as well. I mean, local, international as well. So I think, like, when people express themselves through this way, it also helps, like, other people, other first as well, who might be feeling alone in their LGBTQ, like, relationships where they, you know, being able to see, like, oh, I'm not alone in this. Like, there are other people in the community who are, like, you know, engaging in this, that, you know, love is right, and, like, this, I shouldn't feel dirty, I shouldn't feel wrong about what I'm doing, Mm -hmm. and I think it, like, you know, like I mentioned, there was this internalized discrimination, internalized self-hate, I think, like, these kind of expressions, like, the furry platform has been a part of helping to reverse that, to, to start the healing in that sense. Yeah, it's always good to steer people in the direction of being more true to themselves rather than just doing what everyone else is doing. Just because, you know, people are social creatures that have their own unique personalities. If you are able to bring that out, no matter what kind of medium that might be, then I do think that ultimately brings people more happiness uh, long term. I, I agree with Decker here that I feel the furry fandom more often than not is a medium of expression, a way to express yourself. And if you are on the LGBT spectrum, I feel like in a sense, it does provide a haven more often than not. I, I think it has been for me. Yeah, my, my, my family are fairly laissez-faire. They don't really care too much about like what I do as long as I don't do anything illegal. But I think like the furry fandom, it gives me an outlet to be myself. And I'm glad that Singapore has that. My next question here is something that we kind of like touched upon a little bit on the Kaioki and Holud episode where it's like, um, I feel that Singapore is this place where like East meets West. And I feel like, you know, there, there's something to be said about like the British colonial heritage that Singapore has. Um, and the U.S., of course, was uh, was also a former British colony. So we also have this British heritage. But then inherently, like Singaporean is Asian, right? I find it so interesting that you have this country here in what Southeast Asia at the edge of a peninsula, you know, remarkable economic progress, um, political hardships. And yet Singapore has like forged its way, you know, to be the country that it is now. Uh, That that's impressive. I I feel like a lot of us in the West, you know, would find that to be uh, something of envy. Um, Again, you can totally correct me if I'm wrong here, like, that's, this the, the podcast is about this, like, do you feel that Singapore, in a sense, like, has this layer of being Western or Westernism, but at the core being Asian, or, or how do you, how do you guys feel about that? I would say our beginnings were lucky because we were a crown colony instead yeah. of having resources being taken from us, we had resources mm-hmm. put into Singapore. It may feel Westernized because we are sort of like an English is our first language country before our mother tongue. 
core feelings as hmm. Asians is still very present as a lot of our neighbors and communities are from multiracial roots. Yeah, yeah. Uh, especially like, you know, in our 10 years of mandatory education, of respecting other cultures, there are classes for that called social studies. We eventually um, connect with our roots, thus we may seem East meets West. Yeah, I think like the whole East meets West thing, that's, I think that's pretty true. Like I can see a lot of Western influence on like say like the types of media and shows that we consume, like the flavor of humor that we enjoy. Mm-hmm. Then there are some things like, for instance, stand up for yourself, express yourself freely. That's tempered a lot by the idea of like community and like what we call face in, yeah, yeah, in yeah. Mandarin, like Lian, right? Which I think it's kind of caricature into honor, like, you know, in, in American shows, it's like, oh, I will do this for my family, honor. But I think that's what the concept is. That's pretty much like, you know, if you do things, like, it's fine. Like, if you enjoy it, stuff like that. But don't do things that affect other people, like, negatively. Um, be mindful of, like, yes, you can do what you what you want to do like you have full free will there but like there are gonna be negative impacts people are gonna look down on you and you need to keep that in mind yeah i i I find singapore so unique again like because like you still have these elements of asian culture you have like things for example chinese new year like like that's a thing in Singapore. Like like if I'm not mistaken, the majority of Singaporeans are of Chinese descent. But then you have in Singapore, you guys call it Hari Raya, right? In in the US, we call this Eid Al Fitr because we use the um, Arabic name. I think Hari Raya is Malay. Then you probably have like also like what like I don't know the specific Indian holiday, but there's probably an Indian holiday that's celebrated in Singapore. Uh, do you guys know what it's called? Diwali. Yeah. The festival of life. Diwali, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And in the U.S., we do have some of these holidays, but they're not official. Like Chinese New Year is not official. Eid al Fitr is not official. These these are celebrated by like smaller communities in the U.S. Again, because like the U.S. is still a melting pot culture, right? We don't deny people the right to celebrate them. It's just not considered a national holiday. But that's what I find so fascinating about Singapore. It it, it reminds me of the U.S. in a sense, right? You know, you talk about like racial harmony. You talk about like you talk about like trying to get along with other people, other people who aren't like you. Mm-hmm. Again, at least for me, like, like, well, I'm an American, right? So, like, those are things I also believe in. I believe in harmony. I believe in getting together. I believe in variety, multiculturalness. I like that. In, I like that mm-hmm. in Singapore, yeah. I, I think, like, the government wanted to be fair. So, like, they mm-hmm. don't want to show, like, favoritism to any particular race. So, they're just like, okay, you guys all get holidays. Exactly, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And there are, like, at least four different languages that they show on, like like signs mm. and like public transit and that to me shows a lot more harmony than maybe in the US I don't know I've only had limited exposure to Singapore so I'm not sure exactly how harmonious the different cultures and ethnicities are in Singapore compared to the US are I I just feel like the fact that you have four different languages stamped right on top of each other just for everyone to See, you know, that just shows that everyone is equal in that regard, at least. Yeah, it's actually very ingrained in our society. Like, even our prime minister know how to speak Malay, know how to speak Indian, know how to speak uh, Mandarin, and even yeah. English. Mm-hmm. Like, like I've heard of they, Yeah, it's, it's just also ingrained in laws. Like, even right now, public housing, there's actually, like, quota set. So, it's like in the whole entire... HDB, which is like a housing development, I would mm. say like yeah, yeah. Uh, your public housing, right? It's It cannot be all Chinese on every floor and mm-hmm. every block. There's sort of like allocations to make sure like it's uh, Chinese, Malay, uh, Indian and Eurasian, or sometimes they just say Eurasian slash others. Hmm. Then if let's say like a Chinese family is moving out and if there's the Chinese quota is undermet and the Malay quota is full, for example, only a Chinese family can take that house, that unit, things like that, to be fair mm. to like, to, to maintain a balance in the local neighborhood. Yeah. It has been a great conversation so far with you, Ska and Decro. We only have one other question left that we need to ask you, uh, and that is, what is one thing you want furries to know about Singapore that maybe they don't already know already? 
Uh, it could be about the fandom. It could be about the food and culture of Singapore. Uh, anything you want. Well, uh, food. If you're coming by, be prepared to feast. There may not be <laughs> enough time for you to eat everything you want to yeah. try. As even though you can have three meals, but I'll say two meals because of like the operating hours and everything. Mm -hmm. Um. Also, uh, be prepared to be wild because even yeah. like bit uh me traveling overseas, right? Sometimes I would say that the food that you actually get in Singapore can be on par with some of the local food of overseas because like oh, Singapore yeah. is such a global place that all of the Japanese places, mm -hmm. they might actually bring all the good stuff and just set up shop here. Yeah. Like there's even egg slot mm -hmm. in Singapore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm surprised you know what that is. I know what that mm -hmm. is. I'm surprised you know what that is. I love Singaporean food, man. I love, I love how the you get a lot of variety. It makes me wonder why I'm not living there. <laughs> yeah, I think just give us a heads up if you're coming over. They will, we can organize a meet with the locals. Mm -hmm. That is what I ended up doing with uh, Hulud and Snares way back in 2019 when I visited and they were really helpful. They showed me some good places, showed me some good foods. If you have the chance to talk with a Singaporean mm -hmm. then, or if you have a chance to uh, send a message to the Singaporean Furries Twitter account, then go ahead and do that and they will set you up. And now here is the part of the show for the social media shout out. So Scott and Decro, go ahead and tell us your social media handles or where, wherever you want people to find you on the internet? Well, um, for me, Scar, um, you can find me on Twitter at FuzzySpiky, whereas on <laughs> Telegram, you can find me on Nuzzle. I like that N-U-Z-Z-L-E. Um, I mainly use Twitter at Twisted Snakes. Uh, yeah, you can just find me there. Uh, but if you want to plug other socials, there's LYFC socials as well. Yeah. You should go and follow us on Twitter. And, and tell us, uh, like, when's the next LFC online? Um, the next one we're aiming for November. So awesome. stay tuned for that. Yeah, great, follow great. us. All right. Thank you for sharing that. And thank you for being with us tonight. Mm -hmm. It has been great talking to you two about Singapore and its culture and its furries. I can't wait to go there again. Same here. Yeah, and thanks for having us. Thanks for having us. And with that has been another episode of the Fox and Burger podcast with me, Burger. And I'm Michael the Butcher Fox. And we will see you on the next one. Goodbye, everyone. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Bye.